reading is James chapter 5. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone, un- un- is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. So, um, the last four or five weeks have been full of intrigue and drama. There have been uh, plenty of talking points, I guess. Questions asked and answers given. And now, today, the conclusion. The final words. 
I'm not talking the World Cup, don't worry, <laughs> but our series on the letter of James. And uh, in honour of the World Cup, this is going to be a sermon of two halves, but there's no half-time oranges, I'm afraid. Um, so James chapter 5, um, these 20 verses provide a very direct challenge to all sorts of different people. The challenge to the rich and the powerful, uh, they provided a challenge to the people that James was specifically writing to in terms of Jewish believers uh, scattered, and also a direct challenge to each of us. And for me, the direct question, or two questions actually, underlying this chapter are, who are we living for and in whom do we trust? Who are we living for and in whom do we trust? I think it's a question we need to ask of ourselves and they're questions that we can also apply to society at large. And so the first few verses of chapter 5, James turns his attention to the Jerusalem elite. Up to now, he's been quite specifically speaking to the Jewish converts. But here, it's almost a bit of a sideswipe at the Sadducees and the Pharisees, those who played their part in keeping the peace for the Roman regime. These people, they were the lawmakers. They had to take some responsibility and bear some of the criticism for some of the injustices that were there in society. But James is saying to them, your ill-gotten gains will not last. Your failure to pay your workers a proper wage will catch up with you. Your treatment of the poor will not go unnoticed. Where will it get you in the end? Because injustice was rife and God was not honoured in that injustice. And then there's a final twist of a knife as he tells them that they are responsible for Jesus, the innocent one, being condemned and murdered. James doesn't hold back. But the problem with a paragraph such as this, a piece of scripture such as this, is it's very easy to distance ourselves and be critical of those people. Those people 2,000 years ago and those people today. Thank goodness we're not all like that. But if we jump 2,000 years and we think about today's society, there are obvious parallels. Fat cat businessmen and women being paid disproportionate bonuses. Inequality between the pay of men and women for the same jobs. People trafficking across the world. In 2016, at any given time, there were an estimated 40 40 million plus people in modern slavery. That included nearly 25 million in forced labour and over 15 million in forced marriage. Those things are not right. Those are some of the injustices of the day. And then there's large companies delaying paying their bills to save on interest payments, forcing smaller businesses to the wall. And we may feel that we don't, pay, uh, we don't play a direct role in these injustices, but we can't just distance ourselves from them. We have to bring it down to a personal level. And each of us needs to ask ourselves, how are we working out our responses to injustice in the world? Through practical engagement, through acts of generosity. In our places of work, are there unjust practices which need challenging? Are others being discriminated against 
around us, wherever we find ourselves. Because if we ignore the injustices of society, we stand accused by James. Our actions and inactions condemn Jesus afresh. And so there's a question for us as we consider our use of our time and resources. Who are we living for and in whom do we trust? And then as we move on through James chapter 5, he turns his attention to three Ps. Patience, perseverance and prayer. Patience and perseverance, of course, strongly linked. So James starts with a very visual illustration of the farmer. The farmer sows his seeds and then has to wait. There's not much that he or she can do to hasten the process of harvest. They just have to wait patiently for the right time. Watering, tending perhaps, but waiting. And James draws the parallel. One day Jesus will return. That glorious time, all sickness, all suffering, all persecution, all tears will be no more. But in the meantime, he tells us, we must wait patiently. We must stand firm. We do not know the day or hour. And I don't know about you, but I don't do patience very well. And if patience sounds somewhat passive, perseverance is more of an active state. Choosing to keep going when circumstances might be against us. And James's readers, of course, were facing corruption, uh, persecution, misunderstanding and suspicion. Things were not going their way. And so James points them to the ultimate example of someone who persevered against the odds in the Old Testament. Job. He points them to the prophets, all of whom must have often felt like throwing in the towel. And one of the reasons they were able to persevere was because they had a firm understanding of the God who called them. And James here quotes from Psalm 103, The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. We need to hold on to the the promises of God and the characteristics of God. If we're honest, there's times when the clear promises of Scripture and the wonderful descriptions of God seem somewhat distant and maybe perhaps a little bit twee and distant from our particular circumstances. Where is the God of compassion and mercy when a loved one is going through invasive cancer treatment? Where is the faithful God when a marriage is breaking up? Where is the faithful God when my child is being bullied at school? But sometimes we just have to trust and we just have to hold on to the promises of God. And we ask ourselves the questions, who are we living for and in whom do we trust? Trusting that God will indeed prove himself faithful, eternity in his hands. And then we move from patience and perseverance to the third P, which is prayer. A practical demonstration of the centrality of Jesus in our lives. And just in these few short verses, James speaks of prayers for healing, prayers of praise, prayers of faith, prayers of confession, prayers with and for others. All of these things get a mention. In fact, tonight, if you come to the evening service at 6.30, I know that Nigel is specifically focusing on this particular part of the passage around the theme of prayer. There's mention of both physical and spiritual healing and a clear underlying trust in God's purposes. As we pray, we're asking the questions, who are we living for and in whom do we trust? 
If things aren't going our way, the human response might be to worry and cuss. It might be to blame others and to grumble. But James calls us to a different response. Patience, perseverance and prayer. Trusting our creator and worshipping our Lord. And then he ends his letter with a reminder of the outward looking nature of the gospel. That longing to see others come to faith in Christ. And the privilege of helping others move from death to life. And more specifically, he brings it back to how we look out for those who may have wandered from the faith. And as a reminder of our shared responsibility for one another and to one another. And so I think we end up not just asking the question, who am I living for and whom do I trust? But also of others, of one another. Who are we living for? Who are you living for? And who do you trust? There's a great strength in accountability and looking out for one another and helping to keep one another on track. Well, that's half-time. And for the second half, I need Mr. Ben Prosser to join me on the seats at the front. Because what I want to know is, uh, does this actually work out in practice? Because it's all very well speaking about it. But what's it actually like in real life? So some of you will know Ben, others may not. But uh, tell us, Ben. Uh, Thanks for being up for this. Um, Tell us what you've been doing your time, mainly, over the last couple of years. Um, So I've been at uni for the last two years in Loughborough, uh, doing civil engineering. Um, Alongside that, just getting involved with church, doing CU, and then spending the rest of my time mucking around, because I've got a bit of fun, don't you? Um, (laughs) Okay, so tell us a bit more uh, about that. I mean, James calls us to live live differently. How have you sought to live differently in the cauldron of university? Because it's quite a challenging place to be a Christian, isn't it? Yeah, I think, like, for me, a big thing, like, it's a phrase that I love and just hold on to, is that being in the world but not of it. Um, I'm not going to lie, first year of being in halls, you're surrounded by people drinking. I was basically in a flat of boys, so drinking, girls, this, that, and the other, and drugs and whatever. Um, and actually, for me, like, holding on to that fact, knowing that actually life of God is so much better, um, and, like, you see the hurt and the pain in them, and actually, like, the lack of their identity. Like, I love these boys, and they're great, but the stuff that they put their trust in, the stuff and, and they kind of held on to. And for me, just actually like wanting to just show them that like Jesus loves them and it's so much better than the stuff they hold on to. Um, and also, like, I love the phrase that, you know, like we're called to be lights of Christ and actually a light doesn't shine in a place that's full of light. It would have been so easy for me to like run away to a Christian bubble. Like, love was very, very good for Christian community. Um, I'm not going to lie, the first two weeks of uni, you can ask my dad, I was like, yeah, no, I'm all right. I want to just hide with the Christians. Um, but, like, I think for me, actually, a light shines in the darkness. Um, so, like, a big thing for me is just putting myself in those situations. Yeah, it can be really hard. There are times when, like, it's not been easy. There are times when I'm probably not on God in the best way. But actually being in those situations for me is just an incredible opportunity. And just as, like, an encouragement, at the end of the year of my flat last year, um, like, it got to the point where they were so open to asking me about my faith, what I hold on to, um, and actually, like, they were so interested um, and actually, like, <laughs> so encouraged as well. Like, my mate Alex said to me at the end, he was like, mate, I love how much hope you just have in life. Yeah. And, like, for me, that's just a big encouragement, isn't it? Like, I get to just live my life for Christ and I don't have to, like, tell them they're living wrong. I don't have to, like, condemn them. But actually just living with them and being like, I'm not going to live that way, but I love you still. And so does Jesus. Um, fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Yeah.
you, you speak about a life of hope, but actually um, you've faced some challenging circumstances this year, haven't you? Because you, you had quite a nasty sort of sporting injury. So what have you learned about these three Ps we've just been hearing about, patience, perseverance and prayer, through this last year? Um, so for those of you who don't know, I broke my tibia uh, a year and three months ago now. Quite badly in a football match, I had to have an operation. It was two weeks before my, my first year exams. So not going to lie, I didn't go to plan. Um, and I think for me, I just want to share basically just what it was like being in hospital. So I remember going to hospital, I was really hopeful. I was like, ah, it's not broken, it'll be fine, it hurts a bit. Um, I remember when they took my shin pad off and I was like, ah, oh, okay. There was a nice little dent in my leg and I was like, ah, okay, that might not be so, so kind of um, good and peaceful. Um, I remember just kind of lying on the hospital bed. I'm not going to lie, I was in tears, breaking down, being like, what? Like, this is so close to my final exams, like, ah. Um, and actually just being reminded... By God, I just sat there just praying, like, why, you know, why has this happened? Um, and actually just being reminded that, like, in a year's time, like now, I can run again, like, it's going to be okay. And obviously, like, people go through so much worse than breaking your leg. Um, and I think, yeah, it's just that reminder of, like, again, what do I hope in? Like, actually, like, at the end, when, when I die, praise the Lord, I'll be in heaven. So, like, there's, there's that to look forward to. Um, and so, like, the sufferings in life, and for me, breaking my leg was bit major and um, like that yeah that's kind of where my perseverance and where kind of my I learned a bit of patience like Paul I ain't got <laughs> um, <laughs> and, then, so, and then since yeah. you've been back you've Sorry. been back here what um 10 days or so haven't you mm. from from uni um how have you sought to keep Jesus at the center uh, not just for yourself but also with others around you um so when Paul asked this question, I know exactly what he wanted to say. So there's been me and three of my mates, Ollie, Matt and Max. Um, we've, just, we tried, we've been talking about it for ages, but we really were kind of set on this summer that we'd meet up in the mornings as much as we could um, and just pray together. Because I think, you know, we're all so busy. I mean, them boys are working. I'm not actually doing that much, but <laughs> they're all busy. Um, get a job, Ben. Get a job. <laughs> I will. Uh, but, yeah, so we just meet up and just set our hearts on Jesus every day. And, like, the impact it makes... It's just incredible, like, the way that actually you kind of start, it's just for me, it's like you start your day off right, just actually focusing on the person and God, who's just kind of the thing that life is all about, and um, yeah, and also with one of my mates at uni, me and him will message each other in the morning, um, just kind of what we've read, um, and like, if one of us hasn't done it, you get that message from your mate, and you're like, oh, should probably... Bit of accountability. Like, yeah, bit of accountability, um, so that's been really good as well. Great, fantastic. And, and this summer, um, part of the reason you haven't got yourself a job is you're actually going off to do something different, aren't you? So tell us what you're uh, flying off to on Thursday. So, as Paul said, on Thursday I'm going out to Albania um, with UCCF. So they're basically like the organisation that oversee Christian unions at university um, across the country. Um, so we're going out there to help the equivalent in Albania um, organisation with their like summer camp. So obviously for them, there's not that many Christians in the country. They're, like unlike universities here, they don't have events every week, but they have this big summer camp in um, down and on the coast on the beach. It's going to be lovely. Um, and like, um, and they just like they get their the students to invite their friends along. So we're going to be doing like Bible studies and I'm doing a talk <laughs> uh, and like we're going to leave worship. But just most most importantly, like spending time with them and just getting to know them. Um, and ultimately just wanting to like, share the love of Jesus with those who don't know and those who do, just encouraging them that actually, like, in England we take it for granted so much that actually it's so easy just to walk up to people and talk about Jesus and God and, um, and you know, no one will bat an eyelid because it's the culture. But obviously in countries like that, it's, it's weird. Um, and so for them, just, like, just encouraging the Christians there as well that actually, like, you know, God's got them, God's faithful. Um, 
Yeah. Great. Well, it'd be great to pray for you. Is there anything specific we can pray for for you? I mean, ultimately, that we see people become Christians. I'm like, that's the big prayer. Um, that's my one motivation. That's the reason I'm going. Um, yeah, that kind of the people that are coming that don't know Jesus, just their hearts are open to him, um, open to the message that we bring. Um, also for our team as well, there's seven of us going. Um, I think that just we're, just as a lack of fear or anything that we're worrying about, um, we've got a lot of travelling. Um, but like, yeah, just that we have peace in all that and right. that we can honour God, our God wholeheartedly. Let me, let me pray to you now and I'm sure we'll be praying for you over these next few weeks. So various of our young people are off doing uh, different things over these next few weeks, so do hold them up in prayer. Well, thank you for this, uh, for this young man and for his passion for you and the things of you. Thank you for your transformation in his life. Thank you for the clear evidence of your spirit at work in his life. And I pray, Lord God, that you will use him in really significant ways over these weeks ahead in Albania. Help him to be a real encouragement to others in the team. We do pray for protection on that team and for real unity of purpose amongst them. And we do pray, Lord God, that through their witness that others might come to know you. Mm -hmm. I pray that others might know the joy of your salvation. And so we thank you, Lord, for all that we've heard through Ben. Thank you for all we've heard through your word. And we pray that you'll help us to be people who are patient, are persevering, and are prayerful. That we will indeed put our trust in you, put you at the centre of our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks so much, Ben. We're going to sing Jesus Be the Centre. Um, so let's think about what it means for us in our individual situations, very different from Ben's, but all the same. What does it mean for us to put Jesus at the centre of our lives?